America's GDP is growing at an amazing 3%. Unemployment is at the lowest level in 16 years. The stock market is reaching a new record high every day. The U.S. economy is just going to keep on booming, right? Well, not so fast. Stocks might be surging, but investors trading in the $16 trillion market for U.S. Treasury securities are taking a more nuanced view. If you look at what the bond market is signaling, not only is there not going to be a huge surge in growth, but things could conceivably slow down. At the very least, there's skepticism that inflation will ever become a problem. Welcome to Benchmark. I'm Scott Landman, an economics editor with Bloomberg News in Washington. And I'm Daniel Moss, economics writer and editor at Bloomberg View in New York. So, Dan, every time I open my Twitter feed, it looks like President Trump is talking about how the economy is going gangbusters. The market is always at a record high, but I never see him talking about the bond market. Well, the stock market is easy for Twitter good economic or financial news, the market goes up. With the bond market, it's more complicated. Strong economic news is often greeted with a decline in the bond market, and the inverse is also true. All right, well, let's bring in our guest for some more insight. David Ader has been following the bond market for 30 years. He's currently the chief macro strategist at Informa Financial Intelligence, and he's been the number one ranked U.S. government bond strategist by Institutional Investor Magazine for more than a decade. He joins us on the phone from Connecticut. David, thanks for being with us on Benchmark. Good to be here. So, David, we ask most people to talk about the markets, and they'll start talking about the stock market. But why should people care more about the bond market instead? Well... Because people borrow money, corporations borrow money, the government borrows a lot of money, not just this government, but governments around the world, and the bond market determines the cost of that money. So if you were to see the bond market, if you were seeing interest rates rise, for example, presumably people will borrow less, and that can have a slowing impact um, on economic growth, certainly on inflation. So it impacts us in a big, big way. So when people talk about government borrowing, they're not talking about the U.S. Treasury or the British Treasury walking down to Citibank and saying, hey, can I have a loan? They're talking about these securitized lending facilities. So when, when the government, when the U.S. Treasury borrows money, no, it doesn't go down to a bank and ask for a loan and fill out an application. It goes to the markets. And the markets do include banks. Um, they include central banks. And they have an auction process which determines what the interest rate is going to be. So there's a demand factor that plays a, a huge amount um, into how much, how much it's going to cost the government to borrow money. So it's not quite like you or I going down to a bank. But still, there is a market rate that is determined. Now, the market rate for borrowing, it, it's more... It tells a broader story than just how much the government has to pay to borrow money. Uh, you know, one of the widely followed benchmarks, just like people follow the S&P 500 for stocks, you have the Treasury security maturing in 10 years. You know, people just refer to it as the 10-year. It's a pretty common benchmark, and those are currently yielding somewhere around 2.4%. 
mm-hmm. does that mean? What what does that tell? What what kind of story does that tell? Well, you 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 can look at the tenure, which is, indeed is the benchmark, but the Treasury market, the 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 runs the gamut from you know short term bills, sometimes a matter of weeks, to thirty year paper. So that's the, known as the yield curve. This, the 10-year is merely a point on the yield curve, which has become popular because, you know, corporations tend to borrow in the 10-year sector, and the rest of the world um, tends to borrow in the 10-year sector. So 2.4 is only one, um, one spot on the curve. You could go down to look at the two-year note, for example, which would be something on the order of about 180, or go out to the end of the curve to take a look at the 30-year, which would be considerably higher, considerably higher. So you have what is known as a steep yield curve. The interest rate from the short term to the long term it has, has a spread. But it's actually not that steep right now. You know, when it, it, we're getting into a little bit of the market jargon now, but you hear a lot about the yield curve flattening, mm. and people seem to think that that might not be such a great development. What, what is happening there? How would you how do you explain it? I'll put my economist hat on and 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 offer that it depends. But it, but but what's going on is this: when when the yield curve is steepening, meaning when the spread between the very short term borrowing to the long term um, is wide, it usually tells you historically that we have a lot of growth in the economy. The Fed is is. Is, is allowing, I guess you would say, um, for con- some inflation concerns. A steep yield curve tells you that the market is concerned about growth and inflation as, a, as an anecdote or a derivative of growth. The fact that the, the, there are two things going on, not only has the yield curve been flattening, but it's been flattening only because short-term rates are rising. Long-term rates aren't doing anything. And that is the concern because that suggests that growth is slowing or will slow, at least the market's perception, that inflation is going to remain low, and that the Fed might be making a mistake. They might be hiking, raising short rates too aggressively. Now, let me just challenge you on that point. The lack of inflation has been a defining characteristic, arguably of, say, the last 20 years, certainly in the post-financial crisis era. Mm. And yet economic growth has been solid, if unspectacular. There's been all sorts of warnings since the economy began growing in 2009 that we're on the verge of a double dip, etc. Hasn't happened. Are you sure it's signaling a slowdown? Am I sure it's signaling a slowdown? You know, <laughs> this time might be different. The, the, the difference might be that, be that we are facing an era the next 10 years, we're going to see um, a lot more Treasury bond issuance, a lot more Treasury market issuance, because the deficit's rising. And if this new tax plan goes through, and it, and it likely will, we'll see the deficit rise even more. So the Treasury, our government has said that they are going to increase issuance um, at the shorter end of the yield curve. So you have the Fed hiking. You have more issuance, at least in, in, in the near term, at the short end of the yield curve. So it could be a concern about um, simply supply and what the Fed is doing. However, 
historically speaking, the yield curve has been a very good um, predictor or prognosticator of of economic activity. And while it is true we've had unspectacular, that's how I would say it, GDP growth, but we continue to have very, very, very subdued inflation. And I think that the yield curve is giving us some warning that the Fed's hiking in here when inflation is low. This is, you know, we're nine years into this expansion, and we still haven't seen inflation. We haven't seen it on the income or the wage front. And we're getting kind of late in the cycle um, to see that develop. And I think that's what the bond market is telling us. So are the bond market and the stock market telling two different stories about the economy, two stories that cannot be reconciled? Or are they just telling two sides of the same story, maybe that the stock market is showing that corporate profits are expected to keep increasing, yet the bond market says, well, maybe just not at a spectacular pace? So, you know, you're dealing with a bond guy, and as you said earlier, when the economy is is doing poorly – me as a bond guy, I'm in my I'm in my my zone. I, I like to see that. So I, I would say that they are telling you two different stories. And one of the stories that's been going on with the stock market, obviously we have, we do have a recovery, steady-ish, if not spectacular. So we go with that. But one of the things that has helped, um, in fact, maybe the thing that has helped the stock market over these last few years is low interest rates. Why? Because corporations have been borrowing a huge amount of money, tremendous amount. Um, They issue bonds like the government. And what are they doing with that cash? What are they doing with the bonds that raise money for them? They're buying back their own stock. So you've seen there is less stock out there today than there was five, ten years ago, the buyback situation. And so that has been one of the things that has helped prop up the stock market, the fact that they've been using so much cash to buy back their, their own stocks. They're the biggest buyer of the stock market. And that happens when interest rates are low and the, the spread, the corporate bond spread between you know, treasuries and corporate bonds is also very tight. So it makes a lot of sense, but they're not investing. And I think that that will prove a problem. That's why I think the bond market is more right or more correct than the stock market, because if we do see interest rates rise, or if we were to go into an extended period of a slowdown, I think all that corporate borrowing could prove to be a problem. Now, we've often heard, uh, not just from government officials, but from investors as well, this mantra, the U.S. Treasury market is the largest, most liquid, most secure asset class in the world. Does what's going on in the U.S. Treasury market now reflect things that are going on outside the United States, as well as issues like Treasury Department sales, tax plan, Fed? Well, it certainly does. You know, the, the bond market is, I mean, our bond market, all bond markets are, are international. The, the largest holders of U.S. Treasuries are overseas, and one of the largest holders are foreign central banks. Well, when they, uh, they have had their bout of what is known as quantitative easing, meaning central banks have been buying bonds to keep interest rates low. They have negative yields in Europe, for example. And so we have, a, we have positive yields, meaning we don't, you don't have to 
um, pay the government when you buy a bond. So the point is, the point is that the demand for U.S. Treasuries is very much influenced by activity overseas, where there there is some growth going on, absolutely. But there are not a lot of bonds around because other central banks have bought them, and the yields on bonds overseas, in many cases, are negative. There's something on the order of ten trillion dollars worth of bonds overseas that have a negative yield. Well, if you want a positive yield, come to the U.S. Our yields might be low or appear to be low, but at least there's a yield. Right, but does that necessarily mean there's going to be a slowdown? I guess what I'm saying is we've heard this idea multiple times since 2009 that the economy is headed for a double dip. hasn't happened. I'm just (laughs) wondering whether this reflects the relative attractiveness of the U.S. versus others. The other economy that the U.S. is often compared with is China, and yet their bond market, very different and much more difficult for foreign investors to access. So, I mean, it, it, it is a good question. And of course, at any given moment in time, you know, we try to make it simple. The yield curve says this, um, and there are these other influences. We've, we've not experienced, you know, in, in, in my 30 years, uh, a lot of time when there's ever been negative yield. So certainly there's a component to that. There's certainly a component to it. But I do think that we can't dismiss the yield curve's shape or, or the low yields that we're having um, as simply a, a matter of, you know, there's, there's a strong demand from overseas, you know, because of these negative yields. The fact of the matter is, here we are, nine years into a recovery. That's a very long time. That's a very long time. So when I say we're late cycle, you know, we're closer to the next recession than we were. Now, the yield curve may be hinting at that. Um, not yet, but it, it, it may be on, on the radar. But the other thing is inflation. So we're dealing with, like we saw today, with the, with the core P, uh, CPI number, very low, came in a little bit lower than expectations. We look at the other measures of inflation, also very, very low, 1.3%, 1.5% when we're looking at the Fed's preferred measures. So low interest rates, particularly at the, 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 the long end of the yield curve, the longer maturities, are always a reflection of both current inflation and inflation expectations, whether it's the, the surveys that come out or other uh, known, what, what the Fed would call market measures of inflation. Those, too, are pointing to very low inflation um, in the coming months, in the coming year. David, we'll have to wrap it up there. Uh, thanks for explaining that story. It's definitely not something that we normally hear out of uh, President Trump's Twitter feed. David Ader, great to have you on today. Benchmark will be back next week with our two-part year-end special. In the meantime, you can find us on the Bloomberg Terminal, Bloomberg.com, our Bloomberg app, as well as on Apple Podcasts, Pocket Cast, and Stitcher. While you're there, take a minute to rate and review the show so more listeners can find us and let us know what you thought of the show. You can follow me on Twitter at, at Scott Landman. Dan, you are at Moss underscore Eco. And our guest, David, isn't on Twitter, but you can find insights from his firm at, at IFI underscore financial. Benchmark is produced by Topher Forges and Magnus Henriksen. The head of Bloomberg Podcasts is Francesca Levy. Thanks for listening. See you next time.